game is over. This is a special post-game edition of the Pegasus Podcast, presented by Night Sports Now. Instant analysis and opinions on UCF's game. Now, here are your hosts, Bailey Adams and Christian Simmons. Welcome into episode 109. Be sure you're following us on Twitter at BaileyJAdams22, at Simmons, and at Night Sports Now. UCF beat Tulane. I am longing and craving for the days when I didn't have to wait until the literal final second of the game to know if UCF's going to win or not. Feels like a long time ago. It's three games in a row now. It's been a month. It's been Tomorrow will be a month since the last time UCF didn't <laughs> disappoint me in some deep way or go down to the wire. But um, number 20, other than that... Number 22, UCF, winning 38-31 to at number 17, Tulane. UCF's in the driver's seat to host the AAC championship game. And of course... That means the Cotton Bowl is still on the line. It's still, it's still in play. Oh, yeah. They're the front. I mean, as of now, yeah. UCF is the front runner for the Cotton Bowl. Because you've got the tiebreaker over both of Cincinnati and Tulane. So here's what's funny. UCF just has to not lose to both USF and Navy. Because Cincy and Tulane play each other in the season finale, and they have the tiebreaker over both. So even if UCF, let's say, just like really doesn't care next week and loses to Navy, um, then they still are going to go to the conference title game as long as they beat USF because whoever loses since the year yeah. will also have two losses and UCF will have the tiebreaker. So they're pretty much set. Like, it would be <laughs> pretty difficult to lose to both Navy and USF in the next two weeks. So I think we can say as of now that UCF is going to the conference title game. You would think so. And, mo- I mean, as, as things are set up right now, they win those two very winnable games and they'll be hosting the conference championship game. That's crazy. That's crazy. So, yeah, I mean, I feel like we should take a second, take a second to say that this was a huge, huge win. I mean, I know it came against Tulane, so, like, whatever, but their first top 25 win since two weeks ago, which is pretty cool. But their <laughs> biggest top 25 win, or their biggest win, period, in the regular season since 2018. Yeah. No doubt about it. I mean, and just... It, 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 these are the type of results where UCF comes in. I mean, this felt to me very much like the game where UCF was finally reannouncing itself on the national stage because Tulane's gotten a lot of love. I think most people are predicting them or Cincinnati for the New Year's Six bid. Now it's like, hold up. Suddenly UCF is 8-2. and two. They're going to be in the top 20 this week. They're in the driver's seat for the Cotton Bowl. UCF's back. Yeah, it feels that way. I think didn't you, you mentioned to me at one point, and I don't know if you checked this, so I don't know if I should even say it, but is this their first ranked versus ranked road win? So I can confirm it is their first ever ranked versus ranked road win because it was their first ever ranked versus ranked road matchup. So UCF now moves to 1-0 in top 25 matchups. hard to believe. Road. That's just a weird... Like... Well, you actually think about it. UCF's only ever even appeared in the top 25 in, what, six or seven seasons total? Yeah, that's and true. most of those have been... They end up late in the year when they're into their conference late, so, but either way, yeah. I just... Huge win. I honestly, and it was funny because there were moments of intense and incredible stress to the point that like my left arm went numb and I thought I was, you know, <laughs> having a moment. But all that said, UCF largely was in control the whole game till they never led. UCF maintained a double digit lead all the way through up until the final quarter. I, I mean, it was actually a pretty dominant game. Yeah, dominance a word. Um, <laughs> do you disagree? I, I do disagree. Go on. Just because. Just the fact that they, they had chances to put them away way earlier, and they just never took advantage. So I agree like, with that. Like I said, it was a frustrating game, but yeah. it's a game where you look at it, and like there was no point in that game where it actually felt like Tulane was going to win it. I, I Yeah, I don't agree with that. I, <laughs> when were you sitting there saying Tulane's going to win this game? You see if it's up by double digits? Well, I, didn't think I wasn't sitting there thinking they were going to win, but I was like, they, they definitely are like... I could see UCF blowing this. Well, yeah. I, mean, I, I, mean, at I half can time, always see UCF At, at halftime, I was game. like, if Tulane scores a touchdown on the opening drive, UCF might Well, the absolute low moment of the game for me was that roughing the kicker where yeah. UCF got the ball back. They were up 24-7 at that point. They had time to get down the field and could have gone up 31-7. to And the swing from that, I was like, oh my God, Tulane could score here. They could go into halftime, come out, score right away. The biggest drive of the game. Biggest drive of the game was that first drive out of halftime where UCF's defense held strong and Tulane did not make it a single score game. And from there, I felt like things were okay. 
Yeah. Um, the yeah. UCF's defense was definitely helped out by the fact that Tulane's receivers could not catch the ball today. That was definitely a pro. The other biggest drive of the game came late when UCF was up, uh, I believe it was 31-24. Yeah, 31-24. They went 16 plays, 75 yards, and took 8.07 off the clock and ended up with a touchdown by Isaiah Bowser. Uh, Isaiah Bowser just ran like, I don't even know how many times on this drive. I can just count it here. I mean, he ran for four yards for five, then ran for no gain. They got bailed out on whatever that fourth and one was. I mean, I, I people are saying that, that they thought it was a free play. I'm always of the opinion that assuming that you're getting a free play is probably a dangerous thing to do, especially think, when half so, the team doesn't assume. So I think that's exactly what that was, is they thought they got a free play. They were wrong. Yeah, half, <laughs> half the team assumed they did, half the team assumed they didn't. The refs didn't throw a flag. And then the ball snapped to Bowser, who then just unloads a pass down the sideline to John Rice Plumley, who gets taken down before he's had yeah, a chance but, to catch it. Okay, but like it wasn't, you know. No, I'm just saying. So I'm, I, I'm going through the drive here. So they, I know, they but get I'm the just, first down. But I'm just saying, I want to say, like, to be clear, because people are like, wow, Gus Monson's terrible, a terrible play caller. It's like they, they were trying to draw an offsides. And yeah. That you snap the ball because you think you're offsides. That was a giant well, there's, risk, an but... there's an argument to be made that he is a terrible play caller, but not on that because of that play. I'll say that. <laughs> okay. Bailey and I have competing philosophies on whether or not Gus Monson is good at calling plays. Um,. But yeah, and then after that, they go Isaiah Bowser four yard run, Isaiah Bowser one yard run, then a pass from from Plumlee to Bowser for a nine yard uh, nine yard gain and a first down, and then it's just more Bowser nine, Bowser three, Bowser three, Bowser four. It's just it was like you said to me, it was what we envisioned Bowser as all off season. Yeah, that and, was and what just we encapsulated about. into one drive. And now thinking back, it's like yeah, I guess that really wasn't sustainable to expect over the course of a whole season, but. But we talked about this exact scenario in the offseason of there's going to be a game, I thought it would come much earlier, and definitely not against Tulane, where you were going to need Bowser to basically just take over and just get three yards over and over and over again. And that is exactly what he did. I mean, he's not going to like put up crazy numbers because he's not going to like break out for these big runs, but I've said it before in the podcast, come hell or high water, Isaiah Bowser will get you three yards. He will. And that entire... Because honestly, they go out there, and we'll, and we'll get into John Rice Plumley, but like you talk about... John Rice Plumley is at his absolute worst in those situations where clock management is involved because he's very one-dimensional in what he can do. That's fair to say. Yeah. Some of you will get pissed at that. I'm past caring because some of you were just being ridiculous with your defenses. But that all being said, we'll get we'll talk about him in a second. I was on that last drive. I'm like, we've saw, seen how the clutch drives work with Mikey. It's methodical, quick strikes, you know, use the middle of the field, whatever. And I was like, what are they going to do with John Rice Plumley? Because I don't trust him to throw the ball at all. And I honestly, it, it just, I didn't know what they were going to do. And the answer was clear. Oh, we're just going to give Bowser the ball over and over until yeah. he cannot do anything about it. I think on that 16 play drive, I think he might have had one or two passes. I know he had, I think he had two. I think he had maybe, two. Maybe yep. three, but it was, yeah. And then I was telling you, like, this felt like the end of the Memphis game in a way because they go up by two scores there with only, I think it was like three minutes left. The celebration like, begins. Yeah, you're like, oh, it's good, nice. The defense just needs to get a stop. Like, it's, they're not going to score two touchdowns in this little bit of time. And then, of course, Tulane goes on an eight-play, 75-yard drive in a minute 46. And then all of a sudden, it's a little bit of panic time again. I mean, they, they only had one timeout and they didn't recover the onside kick, so it wasn't that scary. It really wasn't. But it was like repeat from last. No, week. but it was like, come, it's like just like, come on, like yeah, that because put, put them you're away. Like, you're up well, by fourteen. Put them away. The annoying point was that happens, and I'm like here, and I'm like logically in my brain, I know that Tulane is not going to come back and win this game, but now I have to kind of think about it, and that was a really <laughs> annoying way to end the game. But yeah. No, I just, I mean, let's just talk about John Rushpony. I guess I feel like we've gone too long without. Yeah, so John Rushpony was the starter. He indeed was, <laughs> which I feel like has been the biggest open secret since like Tuesday. Yeah, I recorded on our Monday pod that I um I predicted Mike Keen was going to start, and I asked, said on the pod that was more of a hope than a. Um, I forgot a you predicted that I, again. <laughs> you know, yeah, I did. I, I just thought it would work if I made it, and that was not the case. John Rice Plumley inexplicably was back to being the starter. Um, so he played. I'm not like we're gonna, we're going to talk about Plumley, and, and so he what, 17 of 30, 
through the air for 132 yards and a touchdown, 176 yards on 18 carries on the ground with two touchdowns as well. Um, I'm not going to sit here and say John R. S. Plumley had a bad game because if anytime you have 176 yards and two touchdowns on the ground, three touchdowns, tell you didn't have a bad game at all. And frankly, he gave. I, I listen. I still think it was wrong to start him, and I'm going to stand by that. I think this is an easier win with Mikey. But you see the reasoning behind starting him in that Tulane really just did not have an answer for him with his legs, especially yeah. early, and it felt like there was nothing they could do to adapt to that. And he hurt them over and over and over again with that with big plays. It's just funny because it, it almost in, per- perfectly encapsulated a JRP game in terms of well, ex- except for the fact that it was like a win and, and they were able to pull out a close win against a tough team. Yeah. But it was early on, it was making the plays with his legs. He had like the 30-something yard run on the first drive, ends up, they have to settle for a field goal. But then on the next drive, he runs for a 67-yard touchdown. And you're like, okay, yeah, you're not going to get that kind of play with Mikey. But then the rest of the game, you kind of have those up and down moments where it's like, you just really don't trust him to throw the ball. Well, that's the issue. Is I find it funny that people say that like, oh, you know, the reason John Rice Pony was picked because he opens up more of the playbook. Because And it's like, yeah, I mean, but he also shuts down basically all of their pass. I, I mean, it, you just, you. I'm not saying he can't throw the ball because he had one nice throw today at one point. And, he, and he, he's had nicer, he's had nice passing performances and pass games yeah. typically against bad defenses. But you just can't rely on him to throw the ball. And it, where it was driving me insane was that, drive to end the first half where they get the ball back with minute 32. Those two-minute drill drives are basically what they were running with Mikey through Cincinnati and Memphis. They had like three of those, I think, two to win the game, one before halftime. And with John Rice, he's just incapable of that. Like, if you're in a situation where he's not supposed to run, he cannot do anything. So he's definitely one-dimensional. Um, this game felt to me like a situation where Tulane just had nothing to match UCF speed on offense. Yeah. And, that, and, and from that perspective... I understand starting John Rice Plumley, and it clearly worked. So yeah. I'm not complaining there. Yeah, he scored 38 points. I'm not complaining about starting John Rice Plumley. I'm really not because, like yeah. I said, it worked. And frankly, you look at what's ahead. Navy and USF are the types of defenses that JRP should feast against because they're bad defenses, <laughs> and that's where he's looked his best this year. So yeah. I, I think we're, we're set until the league title game, and then we'll talk more there about it. But yeah, I, I mean, you know, he didn't have the best game, especially through the air, but he was dominant on the ground. He had a couple electric plays, and he got them the win. So and at on, the end of the day, that's what matters the most. On that speed point, I mean, we saw more of Johnny Richardson than we've seen in probably the last like month and a half. And I felt like that was intentional. What's funny, though, is like I thought that, but I'm looking at the stats. He had three carries for 13 yards and three catches for 22 yards. Yeah, but that's coming off of one touchdown. That, you know, that, that, is, that is more, but I thought we saw more. Like I thought we, he had more than that. But, yeah. I mean, a, a solid game from him when he was in there. R.J. Harvey, again, 12 carries, 83 yards. That's almost seven yards per carry, which is, I think, right around what he averages for the season. Pretty much. He was averaging, um, I think, close to eight. So he's just... And like you mentioned, Bowser, 19 carries, 54 yards, and two touchdowns. I mean, yeah, you're, you score 38 points on the road against a ranked team to put yourself in the driver's seat to to win the conference or at least host yeah. the conference title game. I'm not going to sit here and complain about everything. Yeah, a ranked, we'll do that a on ranked, Monday. A ranked team that was lying, I think, 16-something points. Yeah. Come in That's the thing is I don't want to get overly – because, like, I know that – listen, you've been through it tonight because I was, you know, tweeting what was going on as the game was going on. And, like, it's no secret that there were many moments where John Russ probably made mistakes. And he is a much more – it's the same argument we've had all season – he is way more mistake-prone than Mikey Keene. He's also gives you explosive playability, which Mikey Keene doesn't. So it's the whole argument back and forth. Do you prefer the roller coaster ride of John Rice Plumley or the steady, just, you know, not too amazing, not too bad play of Mikey Yeah, Keen? I mean, this because this is what you get when the explosive the explosive aspects of the offense works. Yeah. You get 38 points exactly. and a win. And you but got, when, and when honestly, it doesn't, when those plays aren't there, you're stalling every drive and hanging your defense out to dry like you kind of did against ECU, like you did against, yeah. you know, other teams. Like, it's just... But listen, at the end of the day, this was like, everything working. Yeah, th- that's what I'm saying, and 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 I said that, it, and it's fine that it works because now they're going up against two opponents where you don't. It doesn't really matter what JRP does; like they're going to yeah. win, so that that's good. And yeah, I mean, like I said, I absolutely will give JRP credit for. It. I did not think he was capable of winning a game this big. 
I just didn't. There there had been no evidence this season to suggest he could. Their only other game <laughs> of this caliber had been Louisville, and that had been an absolute nightmare because once Louisville took away his ability to run the ball, he was useless. And again, simply didn't have the athletes yeah. to do that. So it worked out. And yeah, to, to his credit, this was a bigger win. game than Louisville. So like this was a bigger. Yeah. No, I'm I'm saying yeah. No, I'm just saying to like I mean, to even more of his credit. Like it's it's good. I mean, and these last few weeks have really shown how unique UCF is in a position because of the two quarterbacks on this team. Because most you know most. Uh, teams around the country, especially in the transfer portal era, they just don't have two quarterbacks who can play. Yeah, and, and the fact that UCF is now—I mean, think about it from this way: in the last three weeks, UCF has recorded two top twenty-five wins, and they did so with different quarterbacks. Yeah, that is a pretty unusual thing. You yeah, can say. and that's the thing is Gus will like repeat week after week, like, "Oh, we have two quarterbacks that we can win with." And like, I know it's getting tiring to hear that, but it's true. Oh, it's very like true. it's it's just true. Which is which is a unique thing for for UCF and I mean know. that's been the difference maker on the season because you look at if Mikey isn't here and then JRP gets that concussion and you have to go to like you have to either burn Tommy's redshirt or whatever and, or I know. don't even know what your other option is at that point I mean somebody else probably would have brought in I guess but yeah yeah I mean it, it was and vice versa if JRP weren't here I think UCF's having the same or better season right now so it's it, you know it, it's really worked out I mean they've both you know they've basically lived up to what we thought they were going to be in the preseason. That's the thing. It's like for all the back and forth on the quarterback stuff and like they're 8 and 2. And so they're yeah. 8 and 2. They're in, they're 8 and 2. They're almost certainly hitting the league title game and they control their destiny on getting to the Cotton Bowl. That's Yeah. But there I, like I said there was Twitter controversy. I don't <laughs> think there was ever real controversy. Like I don't like I I think that Gus is just I mean he made it loud and clear. And honestly, I, I was a little blinded on our Monday pod because I was just like, how can you possibly not ride the high hand with Mikey? Still think he probably should have, but you can't complain when they win the game and score 38 points, so I'm not going to, but you look at, you know, the situation, yeah, on Twitter, you're like, it should be this guy, it should be this guy. Gus made clear at the start of camp, JRP's the starter. It's great that Mikey's there for when he gets hurt, and that's it. So, it's, so that's, it was that's a win it. he gets hurt, not even if he gets hurt. Cause well, the way with the plays. way he plays, you knew it was going to happen yeah. eventually. And Mikey was there for when it happened. And, and props to Mikey for preparing the way he did, you know? Yeah. So, but yeah, I mean, it's, I think it is pretty cool, actually, for as much as the the Twitter arguments and all that has been, and just the arguments in the fan base, and you sure know where we stand on it, but we're, whatever happens from here, both of those guys are coming out of the season, each with a top 25 win under their belt. Yeah. That's, that's pretty freaking cool. Yeah, and you I mean, just like just looking at it, eight and two, like, yeah. we've talked in the last couple of weeks about UCF being this deep into the season, just being in play for the conference championship. Now they're like, they are on track, like we, we've said, to play in the conference title game for the first time since 2018. Yeah, and go to a New York Six Bowl for the first time. I mean, think, look, yeah. I'm doing math in my head, so if I'm silent for a second, that's why. <laughs> Filling the air here. With... Okay, so think about this. If they go to the Cotton Bowl this year, which I feel like at this point is probably the most likely outcome. I mean, they've beaten the two teams that they're yeah, going to play to get there. I, I worry about a rematch with either team, honestly. I would way rather see Tulane again than Cincinnati. I, I think I agree. Because I think UCF just has better athletes than Tulane. I think that showed today. Yeah. So, and Cincinnati almost lost to ECU, so there's a chance of that. And but playing if they... it at home against Tulane, I think, would be another... Plus, if they, I think Tulane crumbles in that environment. If they, <laughs> sorry Tulane, um, I like Tulane a lot, but you know they just don't have the guys UCF has. And I said that on the on the Monday podcast, and it was like, oh, I'm being cocky, you know. And then and then UCF goes out there and like, hey, guess what? We're just stronger. We're just gonna run by everyone. Yeah, I there's guess, just so. nothing you can see. John Rice Plumley made Tulane's defenders like, I, it was insane. I mean, it, he was like a blur. But all that to be said, the point I'm making is that if they do go to the Cotton Bowl, which I feel like is the most likely outcome as of now, still tough, but most likely, mm-hmm. they will have been to four major bowls in the last ten seasons. There yeah. are not a lot of programs that can say that. And you think about it even more, you fast forward just two years and what UCF's doing right now would be earning them a playoff spot. I, I mean, yeah. this is this is the what we were to, this is what we talked about all offseason. This is the momentum you need going into the Big 12. Recruits are going to notice this. That. Fans are going to notice this. I mean, this could not be coming at a better time. If they can be that G5 representative, they can leave the AAC as the champions we talked that major bowl. We talked all summer about that. But yeah. like, this is their last season in the AAC. It would be just great to bookend their time in the AAC with a championship in the first season and in the last season go off to the Big 12. They'd have, 
if they win the league title this year, they will have won the AAC in five of its ten years of existence, which yeah. I'd say is a pretty successful rate. Um, winning your league half feels, of the feels time, decent. not a thing a lot of teams can say. <laughs> They've yeah. won their league half of the time in that league, so yeah, yeah. I, it, this does feel like a moment of celebration. I can't wait to get back on social media after we're done recording this because, like I said, we've all been talking about for the last basically three weeks now, like starting with the Cincinnati game, basically, like, oh, okay, UCF actually might do this. Like they're coming together at the right time. The team's playing well. They bounce back from ECU, no issues. And because I thought they were going to crumble after the ECU game, if I'm being honest with you. Yeah. And but it felt like that hasn't been. It feels like that hasn't been as reflected nationally. Sure, they're in the college football playoff top twenty-five. That's been great. But like they haven't been the storyline. Like SI just did a big giant piece on Tulane. There's been talk mm. of well, Cincinnati. Are they going to win the third straight AAC title? Now suddenly the focus is back on. Oh hey, UCF just beat both of those teams in a three-week span. And in the middle they took out Memphis. Like that UCF <laughs> is the team to talk about road. now. You know, for the first time probably this season they are the team to talk about. And I think it's it's important to point out because I I will on Twitter say stuff and I'll say stuff on this podcast about how yeah there's times where in like situationally I just I'm like I don't know what Gus is doing as far as the call, plays he's calling and just his offense in general I have some fundamental problems with but like that's good coaching like you you lose that game the way you do at ECU and then come back to have this kind of run they put together now like, it was just like yeah. almost like that game didn't happen it felt like it didn't they were just like we're moving past it whatever let's yeah, go beat I, Cincinnati at home a ranked Cincinnati at home Let's go on the road and get two back-to-back wins, one of which is against another top 25 team. So I like, could never have fathomed at the end of that Cincinnati game that they would go on to beat two top 25 teams in the next three weeks. I mean, that, including two. I, I mean, beating I, I just beating the, te- the three teams they've beaten these last three weeks in a row is tough. And now you're rewarded with two teams that should not be as much. Of it. I'm going to say, and we'll talk about it on Monday, Navy's been giving some teams issues. Yeah, including they gave today. Notre Dame issues today. But I, they haven't been giving teams issues in like they're beating them. It's just yeah. that game's probably going to be closer than UCF fans want it to be. And honestly, who cares? Who cares? So... Yeah. Just win at this point. Um, we ready to go over the defense, I guess? Yeah, we should talk about the defense. The defense, funnily enough, like I had that prediction on the, on last week's podcast about like I think they're going to play exactly how they've become expected to play. And early on, I was like, they're playing better than they yeah. have been playing. Overall, I think giving up the 31 points. Like If I told you before this game started, Michael Pratt's going to throw for three touchdowns. Ty J. Spears is going to run for 130 yards on eight carries. Like, does UCF win? Probably no. you're not feeling good about <laughs> I would have that. said nope. So that all happened, yet UCF comes away with the win. And I think a lot of it was stuff that just situation. Like, they got off the field in some situations when they really needed to. Yeah, I mean, I honestly, 31 <laughs> points maybe doesn't tell the whole story because I thought the defense actually had, for what I was expecting, and given that they were missing Devon Wilson, Quadric Bullard, and Jeremiah Jean-Baptiste, pretty solid performance. wanted to say that because we do, on our, like, preview podcasts, we do, like, things we missed from the previous game. Well, on our post-game podcast, say, well, the things we missed from the preview was that <laughs> getting into the game, we pretty much knew Devon Wilson, Jeremiah Jean-Baptiste, and Quadric Bullard, Quadric Bullard, all or two of them, or at least like, and some combination of them weren't going to play. None of them played. Yep. And so UCF was kind of down to, I mean, Cam Moore, that's, that's, there we go. There's the next one I want to go to with, okay. with the defense, is Cam Moore as a freshman stepping in, having to play linebacker. Next to Jason Johnson, who, I mean, I think has emerged as one of the better players on the defense all year. I mean, he's they've obviously never played together, I don't think, because if you really think about it, it was the only time Cam has played has been late in games. Yep. Um, but I mean, I thought he played pretty well and he has that he had that huge force fumble um, that was recovered by KD McDaniel. Of course, UCF didn't take advantage of it, which was really frustrating at the time, but yeah. it was just a big play and I, I don't know, you feel good for freshmen like that. Like I just well, it's funny because especially Cam Moore, you look at this game and we were talking about during the game, like Cam Moore, obviously he earned a scholarship to UCF. Don't get me wrong. You're seeing that, but he was very much kind of like, you know, the offering him that scholarship was sort of the sweetener needed to get the Henderson twins. And you look at what happened today and Jakari Henderson almost cost him the game <laughs> in the second, in the second quarter. 
with that uh with that roughing Rubbing, the kicker yeah. call, and then Cam Moore has stepped up huge, and that's just kind of what I love about recruiting is like you just never know who's going to pop up. And I'm not like admonishing Jakari Anderson; yeah. he's a freshman. Freshman make mistakes, but you know you saw him out there today. You saw Nakai out there a lot of the day. I mean, the defense, and it's why I'm just I, I love when UCF allows a team to score 30 points and it wins because maybe other teams will stop noticing <laughs> Travis Williams. But what he is building on that defense, I mean, I honestly, if he's still at UCF, I think two years from right now UCF could have the best defense in the Big 12, and I mean that. The way they're recruiting and the guys they're building up and the depth they're building up, it's insane. UCF yeah. should not be getting the guys they're getting already. And we've seen this year that, that it's not like these are duds. It's not like, oh, they fell because the, you know, the, the rankings were wrong or other teams weren't interested. Nakai's come in and looked really good. Yeah. Damari, uh, uh, um, Nakai. I said Nakai yeah. already. I meant to say Cam. And, and yeah. then I settled for the second half of Nakai's name <laughs> by accident. But I, I just... That's what you love to see. So, yeah, I know it wasn't like an amazing day by the defense. And, again, they were certainly helped out by Tulane's receivers deciding that it's not important to catch the ball. But yeah. I, I saw a lot of good things from them today, and I'm yeah. not disappointed with their performance. A 6 of 12 mark on third down for Tulane. Still not great for the defense, but yeah. much better than, what was it, 9 of 12 last uh, against ECU and Memphis. Yeah. Um, the big thing, I think, was for, for the whole team, but I think it was especially that one drive and especially more on the defensive side of the ball, was penalties. Oh, yeah. Because that one that you mentioned with the, the roughing the kicker, that came after a drive where – Tulane got two first downs off of pass interferences, one of which I don't I, – I, it was – that was not a good call. And one thing I would like for UCF fans to stop doing is, like, any time a call is on UCF, it's just – it's a horrible call and the officiating crew is against yeah, everybody I'm, because – Yeah, I understand that fans are going to be fans, but I am really sick of, like, when UCF commits, like, an obvious penalty and everyone's like, how could the refs do that? Yeah. Did a refs go pay them? I'm like, no, no. You see how Jakari Henderson, like, leveled the kicker? Like, that's a penalty. I, like, thought, I thought the refs were equally bad on both sides today because if you look down the, down the stretch – when there was a potential play where UCF might have had a man downfield legally, yeah. and they were like, oh, actually, no, we'll pick up the flag. There wasn't a flag here. That's why so I don't get stressed just, about ref stuff, yeah. and I don't tweet about it, because, like, it generally works itself out for the course of a game. Like, you know. Here and there, like, I'll tweet about it in the moment, because it's like, sometimes it's not even a, like, oh, they're against UCF. I think it's just like, I can't believe, like, this is their job, <laughs> and, like, that's, they, they just missed that call. Like, yeah. it, I tweeted about it today, because they had the one where, it didn't not not even mattering, and I tweeted that at the time. I was like, "They're going to score anyway," but the player's knee and the ball hit the ground in front of the goal line, and they're like, "I oh, have a touchdown." It also took them way too long of a time <laughs> to determine that wasn't a touchdown. That it was also like took a significant them review. Way too long of a time to not uh, to not call that fumble on uh, Javon Baker's screen pass or screen catch, not catch on third down. Yeah, they, they basically it. had like two they TV put, timeouts. Trying yeah, to that they one out. they put the forty seconds back on the clock in the third quarter, and we're like, "No, actually, it's still the third quarter." <laughs> <laughs> and so it was just yeah on both sides it was it was a bad thing but yeah the the discipline thing is kind of shown up a little bit more in the last couple of weeks you know what's great though which isn't great is they have two weeks against teams that physically can't beat them to work it out so that's pretty yeah. sweet you know because it's true because basically it feels like and man I am just I am just setting myself up for them to lose the navy but you absolutely are it feels like USF no longer has a coach and even when they had a coach they weren't particularly good at football. <laughs> And, That's why they don't have a coach and anymore. There you go, and Navy, and they haven't gotten that like post-coach firing bump of being successful. They got well, they did. They, they did. They had the first half of today's game, and then <laughs> there you go. Congrats, it. congrats on being tied at halftime, USF. You're With accomplishing SMU. great things in college football. And then you've got Navy, who's playing teams tough because they're Navy, but not really winning those games. And I think UCF can just even if that ends up being like a 24-14 game or something, they'll win it. Yeah. So this is really just two games to work through your kinks and get ready for the league title game, where you're going to see one of two teams you've already beaten, probably and at home. If you, Most likely at home, if you if take you care get of business. Them, if you get Tulane at home, I'm not worried. If you get Cincinnati at home, I am worried. I'm worried about Cincinnati at home. I also, we still haven't really seen how JRP looks against that defense for more than a quarter, and we'll see. I mean, if he can, if he can, I mean, the issue is that, like, the way, the, what the offense relied on today, which was just raw speed, you can't really do it at Cincinnati, because Cincinnati has athletes that are as good as or better than UCF, so that's not as much of an option, so... 
I think we're just going to really root for Tulane <laughs> to win it out was here. Very much, it was very much run the ball. And I told you early today that it was like, this is like the game script against Georgia Tech. Yeah. They, and then I said, like, they're going to run the ball like 50 sometimes. They ran the ball 54 times. That's fantastic. They ran it 54 times it. for 336 yards. And that's why the time of possession looks the way it does. 35 minutes to almost like 35 and a half minutes to 24 and a half minutes. And let me be clear. Let's play say something nice about JRP. Oh, of course. He really can't throw the ball consistently at all. And it's a huge problem. But he is just a stellar athlete with what he can do with his legs. I love that let's play say something nice about him starts with he can't throw the ball consistently Oh, yeah. I guess I phrased that. Yeah, yeah. I probably should have phrased that in the opposite order. But, I mean, I mean, really, I mean, he just had some electric runs today. Well, I mean, yeah, you just – you see – this is this is the way they'll win games with JRP as the quarterback. Exactly. That's why I don't feel like it, it can depend on the opponent. I just don't know that it's a sustainable week to week thing. Like right. it worked against Georgia Tech, it worked against Tulane. I don't know that it's going to work against every team. And I, well, and the issue is the inconsistency because it's like because the thing is like for JRP for that plan to work, he still needs to throw the ball enough to open things up for that plan to work. And frankly, I don't think he did that today. But Tulane just didn't have as good athletes as UCF, so. Yeah. We'll see, but like I said, he's going to put up some great numbers these next two weeks because these are the defenses that he absolutely thrives against, and hopefully that'll get him. I mean, maybe I mean maybe that's you beat a ranked team, you have two weeks to really you know play well and feel good about yourself. Maybe that's what you need before you host the conference title game at home if you win these last two games. So we'll see. Just a good spot to be in. It's a really good, I mean UCF more than controls their destiny. I, like I said, UCF can go out and lose to Navy, and they will still almost certainly be in the league title game. That, that's of course a the Cotton Bowl will be off the table, be. but will it though? Who else is going to take that role? All the, guess, all the yeah. G5 is down this year. I really just that would think be so weird to imagine though a three loss UCF going to the Cotton Bowl and getting destroyed oh, by yeah. whoever by they play LSU or somebody. I don't know. I think right now it's looking like the Cotton Bowl might be like a Penn State or like a UCLA or someone like that. So we'll have to see. But we're so ahead of ourselves. Anyway, UCF has to win three more. Well, games okay, so we we talked about that a couple times and like like we're so ahead of ourselves. We're so much less ahead of ourselves now than we were like after Cincinnati. You're really not wrong because we start we basically started this talk after Cincinnati. Yeah. And and it's just basically... And we were like, well, they obviously got to win on the road at Memphis, which isn't always easy to do. And then, I mean, especially for a UCF team on the road. And then it's a oh, well, ranked matchup against Tulane. It's the toughest game remaining. But now you've got, like, you got to the point where it's like, yes, I know these are college football players. They they get scholarships to go play football. But Navy and USF are not good teams. Nope. So you feel good about your chances against both of them. So you're really looking at get through those, take care of business, and win one more tough game, and you've got yourself in a New Year's Six Bowl. Yeah. And honestly, like... and. Uh, uh, cover your Cincinnati fans because I'm going to say a thing that I don't want you guys repeating. But once you get to the New Year's Six Bowl, win or lose, you made the New Year's Six Bowl. Like that was <laughs> such a huge accomplishment to get to one. Very few teams, especially G5, get to play in those. So like, I'm not that. even like I've said that before though. I know, but I just, I just oh no, if UCF loses, if UCF goes to the Cotton Bowl and loses, they will drop to a dreadful two and two in major bowl games. And Cincinnati can enjoy their zero and four record and zero success at the highest level. Good for them. Go Bearcats, charge on. But all that being said, I do want to say one more thing. Okay, I just want to give and we can get out of here because you know. We don't need these late night ones to go super long, but I really, really, really want to give props to just Gus Malzahn and this coaching staff. And on a larger term picture, you look at what Gus Malzahn inherited when he took over this job. He took over this job as a guy that basically a lot of national people are like, he's washed. This is his retirement check. Yeah. He's the next Tuberville, whatever. And he took over a team that had basically been getting worse and worse for three years, was just coming off a six win season had no depth, like no depth at all. He then had his superstar quarterback basically more or less quit on the team following an injury. Yeah. And all of that in year two, UCF is eight and two. They're going to be in the top 20 this week and they control their destiny in the New Year's Six race and are probably going, almost certainly going to lead title game and have a really good shot at going to the Cotton Bowl. That's success. That's, That's very what success good. looks like. And very good. To, to turn from where, you, I mean, I don't think we fully recognized at the time how bad the UCF situation that he inherited was and to turn around as quickly as he has 
both through recruiting and through the transfers and through just having a really good staff. It's been impressive. The recruiting thing, too, is like if they continue to do what they're doing right now and and finish this season strong, how how big of an offseason is that going to be on the recruiting trail? Because you saw... Last last year, after your team is completely banged up, you win nine games and did well to win nine games. You beat Florida in the Gasparilla Bowl, and that gave you a bump. Yeah. But if you if you go through and you you win a conference championship and appear in a New Year's Six this this year, you say, hey, we just did this. We're going to the Big Twelve. Like you just get so much more momentum on the recruiting trail. It's huge. Plus, yeah. it's just more about the or not more about, but it's also about the media narrative too. I mean, you look at basically the last off season was everything was whenever you talk about the Big Twelve, like. You listen to any national podcast or go ESPN or wherever, and it's like, oh, what Big Twelve? What new Big Twelve team do you think will have success right away? And everyone's like, well, Cincinnati's the obvious choice because this, this, and this, because people live in the moments and don't pay attention. And now UCF will be the team that's living in that moment, and that's huge. That basically yeah. all offseason, every time you listen to this podcast now, which which of the new Big Twelve teams do you think is going to have a good year? And it's all going to be like, oh, well, UCF. You know, Gus Malzahn yeah. building something there. They just went twelve and two or eleven and three or whatever, finished top twenty five. I mean, which is funny because what like Cincinnati's not going to finish any worse than like no a nine and three. Cincinnati's probably four. also going to be a ten win team. Yeah, I mean, I I, I fear that Tulane is just going to collapse down the stretch here. They've got a tough schedule remaining, but yeah, they have SM, Is it SMU yeah. next week? I and think they got Cincinnati, so it's it, it you know. I don't know. It, it'll be interesting. It, it definitely is like going to be nice the next couple weeks to like watch the rest of it play out. And yeah. UCF can take care of business against uh, – I said take care of business a lot in this podcast. That's what they got to do. Uh, if they can beat Navy next week, which we expect them to, like they, they take care of it and they're in the title game. So Tulane has to play SMU before the Cincy game since he plays at Temple. So Cincy will almost certainly be unscathed there. And yeah. Tulane will see. So I, like I said, I am the biggest Tulane fan in the world now because after today I would just love to see them again. In Orlando, um, Cincinnati, I feel less that way. <laughs> let me tell you right now, it was such a cathartic experience, UCF beating Cincinnati, and me only getting to enjoy that for like a month would suck. So. Are SMU and Houston out of it? Because they both have two losses, but if I don't know. one of them, if another one of them loses, I don't know. They might no, ne- not necessarily They're definitely out of it. Out they're of definitely it. out of it because SMU already lost to Cincinnati. Okay. And. If there's a tie between teams that didn't play, they go to rankings. And, oh, do they? I didn't yeah, know. That's yeah. weird to me. So um, Okay. Interesting. Last thing I want to say, because you said your last thing. Um, I love the helmet. Okay. that <laughs> They haven't worn the black helmet with the white decal since 2018. And that is that is like actually, what, a top two helmet? that Like uh, not counting space helmets that they wear regularly? Like wear that helmet yeah. more. That combo as a whole was just so – I don't even know what the word for it. It just felt icy, right? It was a good like cold weather combo, all the yeah. black and white everywhere. I didn't think they could do combos like that anymore, to be honest, because I know in the Mahadra era, it's all about, like, hashtag on-brand and yeah. let's put I don't know everything, if I, but, man, it was a good look. I don't know if I've said it on the podcast, but I'll just, I'm, I'm kind of out on the white jerseys. Yeah, white jerseys are weaker than the other two by a lot. Okay, so, all right. All right, everybody. We're 30 minutes in. If you don't care about uniforms, you can just leave now. We'll talk to you on Monday. Uh, but anyway, we're going to talk about uniforms now. So if you care about uniforms, keep listening. Congrats. Um, it's very weird because obviously when you design like new uniforms, all the jerseys match. It's a template, whatever. And it's like, I don't get how I can like the black jersey so much mm-hmm. and not like the white jersey. And it's a couple different things. One, the numbers are a lot skinnier than they were on the old jerseys. And I don't mind that at all. But the issue is that it shows up more on the white jerseys because the gold trim kind of blends into the white. So the numbers look even skinnier than they are. And you just, the Pegasus on the sleeves just doesn't show up at all. On the Can't white even see it. Yeah. So no, the white jerseys were a downgrade, sadly, from the old white jerseys. But I love the Nymo jerseys. I love the black home jerseys. So and they still do great stuff with the helmets. And like which... I said, even this combo, like it's yeah, like, no, it, it still looks look, very it still good. Looked good. And honestly, it's such a I, people are probably sick of me saying this because I write in my uniform column I do every week. This I always say this, but like the Polaris stars on the pants, I freaking love so much. <laughs> yeah. I just love it. It just ties the whole look together so well. I just like that it's becoming like a wider UCF thing. Like 
I don't know. Yeah, you're the, seeing well, it on I mean, other, you've seen them everywhere. Other uniforms. Yeah, and... you've seen them in the space uniforms too. I mean, so yeah, yeah sadly, uh, white jersey, the weakest of the three, and I think it was arguably the strongest of the three in the old set, which is kind of funny how that goes. Yeah. But I wonder what they're gonna wear next week. That'll be a. That'll actually, probably be like the biggest idea. like case of intrigue for next week. Should I think. we guess the combo for next week? No, because I'll be wildly wrong. I'll say something and you'll laugh at me. Well, I don't know what it is. So well, I, I know, but you'll just laugh. Like that's not possible. They would never wear that. Okay. I don't you should know. guess I don't, one though. No, I want you to guess. I don't one have like you're putting me on the spot, and I can't even like think of what colors they. Next wear. week just feels like a white helmet week. <laughs> I don't know why. Yeah, they well, I wore a white helmet last week, right? I'm yeah. I was trying to think like I haven't worn a white. It just helmet feels like a white helmet week to me. I don't know. Yeah, I think a white black black maybe. White black. I don't know. That was the AAC championship. That was yesterday. That was the AAC championship game combo too in 2018. You got to bring back night mode for the conference title game if you're hosting. You have to, right? I don't know. I would do... At noon? Fans would love this one. If I were deciding what they were for the league title game, I would go black helmet, night mode jersey, gold pants. Wait, it's black helmet, night mode jersey? Yeah. No, I, I think it's like sick. That. I, I like sick. that. Yeah. Um, yeah, I don't know. I don't know what they'll next week. Well, to but, the six of you still here, we appreciate you listening to our uniform rambling. Let's just ran, randomly be like, huh, what do they wear this <laughs> What will they wear two games? <laughs> I hope they wear like the script knights. I want to see the script knights on the helmet next week. Yeah, I like the script knights. That's that's my. Blunt. I mean, next week I'm pretty sure isn't that the military appreciation game? Are they going? Oh yeah, that's right. They are going to do something like that. Well, yeah, because it, it, it's it's UCF fans, fans wear is like wear, yeah. yeah, it's military appreciation day. Well, the decap, a red, so, white, and blue script night. Oh, that would be kind of cool. Actually. No, that would look terrible. <laughs> uh, I don't know. It might look good. Only time will tell. Yeah, I guess so. But hey, we'll be back uh, very soon. It feels weird like when we do these on Saturday nights and then turn around and record two nights later. But surely there will be things we miss. I know there was something that we missed, but I don't want to talk about it now because the vibes are good. Yeah, kind of want the vibes the to die vibes. down a little bit. Yeah. Um, but we will be back early next week with episode 110, breaking down the rest of this game uh, and previewing Navy as UCF tries to clinch a spot in the conference title game. That feels good to say. Sure does. Um, but until next time, you can find us on Twitter at BaileyJAdams22, at ByCASimmons, and at Night Sports Now. Thank you guys so much for being with us. Nights win. Go enjoy it. Bye, everybody. <laughs>